So through this five-week series, uh, kind of been saying that generally in life, there's sometimes we have an eye-opening experience and we learn that uh, maybe you, 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 the light bulb goes off and you just have this vision of that the way I'm doing my life is just not working. Uh, something's not working. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's, just, it's just not working and maybe I'm trying to do things in my own strength or I'm trying to to buckle down and get everything done and keep everything in line and everything on my plan and everything to work. And sometimes life just doesn't happen like that for a variety of reasons. What this series has been about is John 15. This is Jesus' uh, last few words that he, it's called his final uh, discourse. Uh, it's a lot of red letters uh, in these few chapters in John where Jesus is t- saying his last words to his disciples. And he's laying out the plan of how they're going to spread the gospel. He's going to leave them. They don't really get it. He's going to leave them, and this is what they need to do. And you would think when he's laying out the plan for the future, it would have all the details and the timeline of how the gospel is going to spread to the uttermost parts of the world, how the, what the disciples are going to do, their deadlines, how they need to do. And really, he doesn't give any of that. Really, all he says is, you abide in me, and I'll abide in you. You stay connected to me, and I'll stay connected to you. Uh, and as we go through our life, I, I would say it's easy in my life and probably in yours. There's times that we probably feel more connected to Jesus than other times for a variety of reasons. But uh, God here and, and, and Jesus in his word, he says that it, we shouldn't be striving to make our own relationship with God. No, we should just connect to God through Jesus Christ. So do the things that keeps us connected to Jesus uh, and the analogy that's used here is, you know, it's, it's, it's in John 15 where uh, G, uh, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, God's the vine dresser, he's the gardener, and we're supposed to produce fruit, spiritual fruit, uh, lasting fruit, eternal fruit, as we're connected to the vine. If we become unconnected or disconnected from the vine, we don't promote, produce very much fruit. Uh, and the idea I've said in these previous weeks, it's, Production isn't the first thing. The only way you produce anything as a Christian is if you're connected to the vine. Uh, if you're trying to produce and do things for God in your own strength and in my own might, and I'm going to uh, have perfect attendance in Sunday school, or I'm going to read the Bible, from, and I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm doing everything on my own. Uh, there's nothing wrong with those things, but where you get the power as a Christian is if we're connected to Jesus Christ. So the power source is the vine, that's Jesus and it's through him that we then can produce things for him and have that eternal fruit. As we get to this last session tonight, we're going to look a little bit at how easy it is for us to, to loosen our hold on Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the true vine, but we can exchange the true vine for some sort of imitation vines. There are some vines out there that look really promising, and they're going to li- deliver us in fulfillment and purpose and all these things, and guess what? It's a, it's a facade. It's the water is not there at the end of the road kind of thing. Uh, Jesus is the only one that help, can help us produce eternal fruit in us. We must attach ourselves to him and him alone, not to any false vines, not to anything else that we think will fill us up. It's only God and Jesus Christ that can fill us up spiritually and eternally. But as we look at fake vines, uh, if you do attach yourself to a fake vine, I'm going to say what some of those things might be, but if we attach ourselves to those things, then they can produce some fake fruit. And, uh, but those fake fruit, they never satisfy. They never last. Uh, 
if we let go of those fake vines and we hang on to the true vine, then, then, then we become branches. We become things that produce fruit because God does it through us. If we don't connect to the vine and we connect to these fake vines, then we just become a stick. And sticks can burn in fire. And that's actually what Jesus said happens to just sticks. So, uh, as we start tonight, just something you'd have rhetorical question. It's on your sheet. If you got a sheet, if not, no big deal. When things in your life get especially hard, what do you usually look to first for comfort or escape? That could be a lot, a lot of different answers for that. Hopefully Jesus Christ would be on there or God or, you know, uh, but if we're honest, sometimes it's kind of down our list. It's not number one. The problem is if that's not number one, then that's called an idol. We're putting something ahead of God, and there's all sorts of different things that we can look to besides God. When, when life has a way of coming at you and difficulties come, uh, when our way isn't working in life, we sometimes turn from Jesus, the true vine, and can pursue some imitation vines. I'll start with the, f- the first imitation vine that I see that people go after, and that's the information vine. We have... Uh, we live in a day and age where there is more information available to us than any other generation throughout history. Exponentially, the amount of information we can have. I left my phone back there, but I would show you with this phone. Uh, it's, so, it's, it's the Internet. It's the World Wide Web. It's, it's on there. And we live in the, and now I have kids that are in college, and whenever you ask any, gener, any general question I don't know the answer to, what do you do? You just Google it. Are you Wikipedia? I mean, those are always true. Are you? The internet never lies, right? Right. Um, but the information is, is all out there. Um, just a few stats on the information that we have at our hands. There are enough new tweets every day to write 10 million page book. Every day you could write a 10 million page book with just the tweets. This is a reason I'm not on Twitter. I don't want to read that much. Uh, the average person under the age of 45 sends and receives more than 85 text messages a day. Now, if you're not over the age of 45, I bet you don't do that many. I don't think I do. Uh, uh, my Mason's trying, or Maddie's trying to get me to do emojis. I don't even know what that emoji means. Just wave. I'm like, I would just say, hey, do you want to talk? I would use words. But the younger generation's like, just send me an emoji. I don't know what that emoji means. What does that mean? Wave? Hello? High five? I don't know. Uh, Different generations. Uh, More than 500 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. Every minute. So if y'all want to video me right now, you could upload it to YouTube. And that would add to those 500 hours. There have been more than 2 million searches for information on Google every year. So... The information is all out there. A couple of things because of this information that we have so available to us. One symptom of it is there's more external input. It means that there's less internal reflection. Uh, The more external input we receive, the more information we get, the less time and space we take for internal reflection. Let me ask you a question. You can internally reflect. Think about this. Do you like who you are? Do you like who you're becoming? When was the last time you thought about that question? Um, The more, I would say, the younger generations don't think about that at all. They're just busy, 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 information, 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 information. 
and they never stop to reflect or to think. Uh, if you want to go another another way, I'm like, when was the last time you read a book? Now, there are digital books. There's audio books. Uh, but we're becoming a, a, a society that doesn't really read that much. We read, reread a, a tweet. But if you need me to read a book on theology, good luck. I can't think that deep. I'm, I'm literally on the surface. Our information is just on the surface. And it's just so much, we just try to, whatever kind of, information is out there that kind of coordinates with where I am in my, in a, as a person, then I'm going to read that. But if it's not with me, I'm not going to read that viewpoint. I'm just going to stay right where I am. And everything that I read is going to agree with whatever I think and, and line up with my way of living or whatever. Um, who could possibly read all the information that's out there? You can't. There's no way you can. So we don't do much internal, uh, internal reflection. It's all external. Uh, as we connect with what's around us, uh, it's left us very little margin to connect with what's happening in us. So all the stuff's around us, but we're not, we're not good at reflecting what's in us. How is my heart? How, am I think, how are my thoughts? How's my worldview? How's my biblical beliefs? What's my theology? Um, you ever been at a family gathering, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up. I've had some family gatherings in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and you literally don't see each other more than once or twice a year. And what do you do when you're all together? You get around and everyone has their own device and you sit and you're all on your own personal devices. Where's the connection in that? There's no connection in that. But we have trained ourselves to be so comfortable with that, we don't know how to communicate or to share feelings. And even in difficult times and loss of life and, and, and funerals and all that, the stress is immense. I've just gone through this with the passing of my mom. Stress is immense, and we don't know what to say, and we're all uncomfortable, and so you just get on your device, and we don't, we don't share real feelings. We don't share memories. We don't share anything. I just want to be externally and, and kind of isolated. Um. It's a symptom of all the information we can have, and, and the, uh, the information uh, fake vine is not a good vine. It's not going to, you can become knowledgeable, and that's a good thing for sure in your job. You can become knowledgeable in your, in, in, in your, whatever your work is. Those are good things, but to what end? If we're going to search after knowledge beyond helping my work, then why don't I search knowledge in, in God's word and knowledge in biblical uh, literacy and the things that are going to help me eternally besides just, you know, stupid tweets and stupid Instagram posts and stupid emojis and stupid, stupid. Uh, sorry, that's my word. Um, uh, another symptom of this is we fail to prioritize what's really important. Again, so much information coming at us. Where, where do you draw the line? And if you're not sure where to draw the line, don't worry. Facebook or Instagram or whatever, they'll start marketing to you. This is what you, they know what you look the most at, and they're going to send you more of that. And heaven forbid if you look at or shop something anymore on Google or on Amazon, because you're going to see that all in whatever social media thing you use. Maybe y'all don't use social media. That's probably a good idea. There are some good things from it, but there are definitely some bad things, which is how everything is. Uh, we also, you can try to Google your way out of problems. Uh, I think we live in a day and age people are more confused than ever. 
yet we have so much information out there. But maybe, you know, you think remember, some new podcast or some new video or some new self-help thing is going gonna, is gonna to help me overcome whatever this struggle is in my life or your life. Maybe there's some new information and you're never going to find it. We pursue more and more information thinking it will produce help and hope, but it just doesn't. So you've got to be careful of the, uh, the information fake vine, the imitation vine of, of knowledge and information. It, it's not going to get you there. It helps you to, to some, uh, some extent, but not all the way there. John 15, and, and this is the verse. I'm not doing a lot of verses tonight, but John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine drench. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the real vine. What he's saying is there are some vines out there. There are some other little G gods that people try to get their satisfaction from that aren't going to work. And Jesus is the only one that will work. So don't go after the ones that aren't going to work. May we learn, and, and we all have probably pursued some of those things, thinking that they would work or fulfill, and then at some point, I hope we realize they don't, they don't satisfy, they don't fulfill. Within all of us is a need to connect and the desire to produce. We instinctively want to feel connected to know and we want to be known. We intuitively want to produce and have something to show for our lives. From our childhood on, we're looking to be grafted into some kind of vine in which we can find acceptance and purpose. Everyone wants that. Everybody wants to be accepted and have a purpose in their life. Jesus here says, I am the vine in which we can find that acceptance and purpose. I am the true vine. I am the real vine. I am the only vine. So besides just the information fake vine that's out there, there's other imitation vines as well that people try to connect to. If I hit a nerve, don't get upset. But one of those could be the politics vine. You know, an election's coming up. So Biden or Trump or someone else is going to solve all the world's problems. Uh, now, there is for sure a form of government, and government is here, but uh, when it comes to politics, people look around and we feel frustrated at how the world is, or maybe how our country is, or economics, or anything. We get upset, open border, all the things that the news tells us we should be upset about and we should be anxious about, enraged about, possibly. Um, but remember that there's a reason that uh, the kingdom that Jesus brought was not a democracy. Jesus didn't run for president and make his disciples into senators and representatives. His disciple, he didn't do that. They wanted to, of course, they wanted him to make him a king. Uh, because why? Because through politics, it, it, it promises this change by power, and it's going to legislate some different kind of fruit. It's, of course, every politician is very good at, you wouldn't say the word lie, but they know how to frame it in such a way they're like, but I thought you said this, and this doesn't seem like you delivered that. And, of course, that's why it's politics. They make all these promises, and sometimes they deliver, sometimes they don't. Politics has its place, but my point is politics can't be your sustaining vine. It will fail you every time, no matter if your person is elected or not elected. Now, we have civil duties, and we should do those things. I'm not saying against politics. I'm saying don't make politics your God. That's what I'm saying. Another vine, a fake vine that people use is romance. Now I have two college-age kids, and I hope and pray at some point they will become romantic with the right person. They'll fall in love and do all the things. I, 
You remember back, maybe it's been a while, but the dating and everything, I got to find the Mr. Special or Mrs. Special, and you date some different people. My story was always I would date a girl for two years, then she would dump me. Uh, but that's how I did, kind of worked through the church youth group, kind of weird. But um, they're good Christian women, okay? I, was, I, was, I, had, I had standards. They didn't. But, um, but uh, you know, you go meet that person, the romance vine. You know, this person is going to be the source of my strength. This person is going to, to fill all the gaps of my life. They, they're going to meet all my needs. And you may look this person in the eye and say, you know, you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. I just quoted Chicago lyrics. Before they realize that you could quote a Chicago, you could say, Jerry Maguire, you know, you complete me, you know, and get all romantic. And, and movies and shows and Hallmark Channel and all these things, just all oh, the love and the perfect of life. And when you've been married 25 years now, I have. Christy is pretty perfect, but she's not my Jesus. And she knows, and I'm not her Jesus. There's some things that your spouse cannot be in your life. And if you look to your spouse to be those things that only God can be or Jesus can be, they will fall short and they will probably resent you for thinking that they need to be that. They can't be that. They're, not, they're created to, to be your helpmate, to, to be uh, a compliment perhaps in your life. And for sure, biblical love can be lived out. But if it's just this ooey-gooey kind of love and you think that's how it's going to be and it's that way for the first year when the honeymoon's over, then you're like, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of things you say. Uh, anyhow, your spouse should not be your vine. It has its role. But then uh, the last one that I think, if we search after all these other things and we realize maybe these other things, they, yeah, they just don't satisfy. They can't do everything. Then you can do the me vine. You can do the vine that is uh, me, myself, and I. It's I will control everything that I want to have happen in my life. And you know a lot of people that live that way. Uh, these are the people that, uh, you know, self-help books, personal growth, self-care, uh, all sorts of things. We, you know, nothing against working out, but their workout is everything. And their body image, you see the people in the gym, and I don't do this for a lot of reasons, but taking the picture in the mirror and looking at myself and doing all this stuff, like, what in the world? I mean, who cares? They care. Their, their image is everything. Now, image... Taking care of your body and exercise is a good thing. But you and I both know people that go way overboard with that. But you can do that on everything, you know. Uh, Should we have financial goals and a plan? Sure. But should that be your everything where you literally wake up every day and you check Robin Hood and you check your retirement accounts and you check whatever every day and how much it goes up or down? Well, be careful. You might have a little little G-God there that's turned into a big G-God. That's all you think about. So, just like anything, we just have to be cognizant of making sure if I'm looking for things that are going to sustain my life and keep me going in the good times and the difficult times, it's got to be Christ. It's got to be Christ and him alone, Jesus and nothing else. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Paul says this, that... uh, If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. How much time are you thinking about the things above versus the things on the earth? We tend to set our minds on the things we can see and touch and feel. God says, Jesus, or Paul says, live your way as if you're living with eternity in mind. 
what's going to last. What's going to last is going to stay connected to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit, if he's a part of me, to change my character, uh, to become who he wants me to be, to help share the love of Christ with those around me. And that's what he wants to do with you as well. Uh, have you ever gone into someone's house and, uh, you know, you walk into the kitchen and you, you see there a delicious bowl of fruit and uh, maybe even pick one up to eat. And before you could take a bite, you can tell that the weight and the texture just doesn't quite feel right and it's not real. It looked real, real enough to create an appetite and hunger for it, but it was just fake fruit. Hopefully you realize that before you take a bite uh, or whatever on the plastic. It could never deliver what it, what it promised. That's what these, these fake vines do. They, they, they allow us to have these fake fruits. And, uh, you know, the fake fruit promises to bring authentic joy, but it only brings momentary pleasure. Uh, fake fruit promises to bring true purpose. It only brings temporary distraction. Fake fruit promises to bring real peace. It only brings a brief diversion. Promises to bring genuine success, but it only brings shallow victory and passing admiration. So this fake fruit, these fake vines, they don't, they don't deliver. So what are the spiritual fruits that we should be having that should show if we're abiding in Christ? That's the question I want to answer next. What are some of the spiritual fruits? Now, obviously, Galatians has the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. It lists them out. I've referenced that a few times. So there are characteristics of uh, joy and peace and patience and, and goodness and kindness, gentleness, self-control. I haven't listed them all, but it's in there. Uh, but then there's other things that if, if I'm abiding in Christ the right way, what are some things that should be evident in my life? I think Jesus goes on, and I don't have time to dig in a ton, but in chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15, uh, and I'm going to look at a few verses. As he goes on through the abiding in me, and he's doing that, he's the true vine. Again, these are Jesus' words. So then what does that look like? What are some things that are going to be in my life if I'm abiding in Christ? In verse 7, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The first spiritual fruit that would show up in our life is prayer. Prayer. That we actually talk to God and not just prayer, but answered prayer. That God is, it says in that verse, Jesus says, you abide in me and my words abide in you. Well, where do we get his words? Right here. These are his words. You ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, he's not genie in a bottle, and you don't get everything you want. That's not how God works. But you pray, and you ask, according to your will, God, if this be your will, then I ask whatever it is. And he will answer according to his will. But prayer should be a big part of us if we're abiding in Christ. And again, this is countercultural. To be silent and to be quiet for five minutes or ten minutes most nobody, No one really does that. <laughs> Maybe when you're driving, but you're probably not quiet because someone just cut you off in the road or, or they had a road closure or something. That happens in Midland a lot. Um, and it never gets relieved, but and I don't know. But uh, communication. In any relationship, if you go weeks without communicating or months without communicating, how, how, good, a, how good a relationship you got with that person? If your spouse, if you don't talk to him or her for a day, a week, a month, probably she'll come to you or, uh, what's going on? (laughs) 
any, any relationship has to have communication back and forth. Well, the vertical relationship with God the Father, there has to be communication. And the way we talk back to God is through prayer. And the way we pray is we can praise God for how good he is. For sure, that should be part of our prayer. We should bring intercession prayers for half of other people and things and needs. We should pray our own personal needs. But also we should pray with thanksgiving. This is November after all, so we should be thankful, being thankful and grateful for all the things. Number one, salvation. It's a good one to start. It's pretty good. I like it. Uh, sometimes we take it for granted, but salvation wasn't cheap. Um, but... We should be communicating back with God. And sometimes we just be still and know that I am God. We just sit quiet, read his word, and let the Holy Spirit in us uh, call out the, the verse that we know forever and ever, John three sixteen. but he might say something, something else just really talk, talks to me right now in my situation right now. Well, that's the Holy Spirit that does that. Um, so praying is a big part of it. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like breathing. How many of y'all think about breathing? Do you do you kind of make notes about breathing? I need to breathe. You know when you stop breathing, but uh, you don't think about it. Uh, your blood is just pulsing through your veins, and it's kind of like that. When the Holy Spirit is pulsing through you, you pray without thinking. So as you go through your day, you just talk to God. Uh, and email chimes, you mention it to God. Someone steps into your office, you mention it to God. You can't find your keys, talk about it to God. Uh, it's just natural. So prayer is, is an important part of it. But then there's also, uh, in verses 9 through 10, Jesus says another thing that should be evident fruit of our life. Uh, he says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, we should have an obedient love to God if we're abiding in Christ. Uh, He says there, Jesus says, God loves him. And then Jesus turns around and says, and he loves us the same type of love in verse 9. So in response to that, Jesus says, we should demonstrate our love to him. And how should we demonstrate our love back to God the Father? obedience we simply do what he asks do his commandments we do what his word says we don't just talk it out but we actually our actions speak a lot louder than words it's we're living it out we're 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 obedient to his commands the things he says to do we do the things he says to stay away we stay away that's how we abide in jesus we remain in his love remain in his love through obedience Now, Jesus isn't saying, if you want to love me, you have to obey. He's not a dictator. Jesus doesn't operate like that. He's saying, if you love me, you demonstrate it through obedience. Obedience to God doesn't earn his love. Obedience to God is the evidence of love. You say you love God, then do what he says. Right, parents? Kids, you say you love me? You don't have to say you love me back, just Just do what I ask. Right? Jesus is the king and he has the authority to demand our obedience. He goes on in verse 14 and 15. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. He doesn't treat us as slaves 
Slaves are given commands with no explanations. You simply do this. He doesn't just give us commands. No, he shares his friendship with us. And his friendship should make us want to delight in obeying what he asks us to do. Because it's a relationship with him. So it should have obedience. But then also there should be, this, there should be a joy in our life. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your, your joy may be full. Jesus promises here that a joy will flow through him to us like sap through the branches. He says his joy will be in us. Joy is not a transaction. No, Jesus doesn't, uh, he doesn't send a box of joy to be delivered to our doorstep by FedEx. No, no, no. Joy is a relationship. Jesus invites us to his party where he can feast and make merry with him. His joy becomes our joy. He brings us into his joy. And as a result of that, our joy is filled up to the brim. Jesus takes his big gulp of joy and places our little Dixie cup right inside of it. So we should be full of joy. Now, joy and happiness are two different things. Joy is not based on circumstances. Happiness is. Joy comes from a relationship with God that can't be taken away. Inexhaustible joy. Jesus wants people that are connected to him to have that, to experience that. Again, that's not real obvious in the world we live in. Next, there's a a sacrificial love, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus commands us to love others as he has loved us in verse 12. Now, that's an impossible standard to love. (laughs) Uh, But how do do we do that? Well, the only way we could possibly do that to love like Jesus is if Jesus empowers me and the Holy Spirit, that is Jesus, three in one. He's inside me. He can help uh, overcome my sinful, uh, wrong ways to live, to react to people that are wronging me or thinking differently than me or are living in sinful lives, whatever, I should love them like Christ would love them. And if you're not sure how Christ loved them, he's going to the adulterous woman at the well, he's going to the leper, he's going to the tax people that everyone hates. He loves the sinners, and he invites them to come. And who he really had issues with was the religious people in his day, the Pharisees, that think they're so externally clean and perfect and looking down at everybody else. We should look more like Jesus the more we connect with Jesus. Uh, to lay down your life for somebody else. Now that, now that kind of love is a sacrificial kind of love. And that's what he's talking about here. A, a sacrificial kind of love. If you want to know what a biblical love looks like, it's not what Hollywood says at all. It's not what Disney says at all. It's a sacrificial love. One person thinking of the other person more than they think of themselves. You can put that in a marriage. You can put that in a parent-child relationship. You can put that in any relationship. And there's in Paul's letter, he talks even in your working relationship. You should, you should do what they're asking you to do even in your work because you love them, because you want what's best for them. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about them. And we live in a culture that all we do is think about ourselves. And when you meet anyone that thinks of other people, uh, it's very encouraged. I mean, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Um, 
Anyhow, sorry, I didn't, do, I didn't mean to do that. We should live a sacrificial love thinking of others. Uh, true disciples, they bear fruit. If Jesus is inside of us, he will make us different. He will want us to act differently. He will want us to love differently. He will want us to live differently. And if we're abiding in him, the difference is not due to our own strength. It's not due to our own effort. It's not due to me working harder and with more zeal and really attacking it and just killing it this week and doing all my to-do checkbox. That isn't it. The difference is only due to the persistent work of Jesus inside of me and inside of you. That's, that's the only way it really happens. If you think you're any different than anyone else, uh, hopefully we are as Christians. Hopefully we are a light and dark world. But you and I both know and through social media, there's a lot of Christians that say a lot of hateful things on the Internet that you would never say to someone's face. But I can make a comment and think it's going to change their view or however they view life or whatever, and I can be really ugly. And I'm like, but you're a Christian. Why are you being ugly like that on social media? You're not representing Christ. Before I comment or say anything online, I should think, what would Jesus think of what I'm about to say? Would Jesus make this comment? That's a good way to think about it. Jesus is the only one that's alive, that's making the difference in our life, that is, is over the rest of our life, changing us from the inside out to be more like him. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's, it's only him that provides this fruit that's going to last. An apple tree bears apples, a peach tree bears peaches, and a follower of Jesus Christ loves, prays, and obeys Jesus. None of us do that perfectly. My point of this study is not for us to walk out of here and question our salvation or question if we're walking with Christ or me. Maybe a little bit we should not question our salvation, but am I doing things in my life that make sure I'm connected to Jesus Christ? Or have I allowed other fake vines to come and I'm really pursuing these other fake things and they're more important to me than doing pursuing God and Jesus Christ? What's more important connection? Well, hopefully we got from this study, connecting with Jesus is the best and the only way you're going to have satisfaction. Eternally. You want to bear fruit for Christ? You want to do things that only Christ could do and, and, and show Christ to a lost world? Then you better connect to Christ. And the things that keep us from connecting to Christ, we get rid of those things. Last, God can take a disconnected branch and he can reconnect it to a vine. Uh, but just imagine if I had a, a there was a news story of a, someone that had a plant and it wasn't, I don't remember what news, but she watered it and she put in sunlight on it. And like two years later, she found out it was a fake plant the whole time. She just thought the water was just the water, the plant didn't need it. I'm like, oh my gosh, girl. But that's a sad story, but uh, people are clueless these days. But, um, but sometimes we live that out. I, I have a dry stick and uh, I'm just going to sit in the corner here uh, and I'm expecting it to produce some good fruit. So if we water, if we just, well, we'll give it in some fake sunlight right there. We can give it that, and it's probably going to grow something. No, it's never going to. Spiritual growth, if we're looking for spiritual growth in fake vines, it's like sep- setting a separate stick in the corner and expecting it to grow. You can water it. You can set it on the sunlight. It's not going to grow any. Tonight, and with this group of people, I'm not going to assume all of us are Christians. I would hope that we are, but I don't assume. God only knows. 
If you're not connected to Jesus Christ at all, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, uh, you never acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, you don't know much about Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, then come talk to me after this tonight and let's talk about salvation. Because that uh, the good news is, for anyone that's not connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, he's done everything to make a way that you can be connected. All you got to do is put your faith and, 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 tr- and, and understand a little bit of scriptures, what it means, and that I can't save myself, but good enough, Jesus died on a cross so he could pay the price of my sins and he could, uh, could, could make me a child of God. Then let's do that tonight. But for the rest of us, then the question is, if I'm already a Christian, and, and, and if we are, how connected are we to Jesus? Am I hearing from him? Am I talking to him? Am I obeying him? Am I reading his word? Do I want to be in his church? We're living in a day and age that is minimizing church. Pandemic did not help that, by the way. Church attendance probably generally everywhere is down. Bible class attendance is probably down. Why? Church, I, I, went, a couple of, I went a couple of months without church. I did fine. I could stream it. I could whatever. And guess what the, lie, the ultimate liar, what he's good at lying, guess what he said. You don't need church. Just stay at home. Stay in your pajamas. That's not what God's word says. If you're a Christian, you want to be with, God, with his people. You want to be where Christ at work. Well, Christ is at work in his church. So stay connected to the church for sure if you want to connect. Uh, where It's where the Bible is taught. It's where uh, I can encourage other people and I can be encouraged also by brothers and sisters in Christ. Churches, it should be a huge part of your life if you call yourself one that's abiding in Christ. Uh, so, good news is, and as I, as I end tonight, there is a, this whole gardening metaphor, and Jesus uses this metaphor. It's a little di- difficult for us in West Texas. I guess you can grow a garden out here. There are miracles happen. Uh, um, I'm, I don't have a green thumb, so I, won't, I don't grow anything. I, I kill things. It's a gift. Uh, um, but uh, I guess you can grow things here. But grafting, uh, so to use this analogy, uh, Jesus in, in, in the true vine in this passage, he talks about he can pick a branch up off the ground that's disconnected from the vine, and he can somehow graft it, connect it back to the vine, so that it then gets the nutrients it needs, and it becomes alive again and bears fruit. It's called grafting, and evidently, uh, I was reading one pastor that he wrote a book on this, Topic in this John 15, and he talked to a, a horticulturist to unpack some spiritual parallels, and he talked about this act of grafting. Uh, the gardener can surgically connect a previously disconnected branch to a tree or to a plant, and this is a beautiful image of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, it's the only chance that a stick ever has of growing fruit is if the gardener grafts it into the vine. God can graft us back into the vine through the blood of Jesus Christ. The whole promise and the premise of this series is that when our way isn't working in life, the most important thing we can do is focus on our connection with the vine. Focus on the connection with Jesus Christ. When our way isn't working and you feel discouraged or frustrated or anxious or worn out, just be the branch. 
Sometimes, and I did in previous weeks, I said God allows us to go through some, some valleys and difficult times in lives so that he can show us that he is faithful and he can even be there and be our refuge even even the darkest times and the, the biggest storms that come and whatever happens. Uh, he, he, he wants to be there to sustain you, to hold you, to, to wrap his arms around you. God, God wants us to realize through the difficult times that he is faithful and he's always there with us. But this idea of grafting reminds us that connection is always possible. If I've never been connected to Jesus Christ, then salvation is what we need to start with. If I'm not as connected as I used to be, and maybe I'm kind of on the ground, then there's this idea that uh, I can always come back to Jesus Christ. When a gardener connects a disconnected branch, he strips the branch clean of everything unhelpful. So he'll strip that branch, he'll strip it of the twigs, the shoots, the leaves, anything that, that remains uh, that causes it not, I mean, besides just being a stick, he takes it all off. Then he takes a stick and he connects it to the vine with a very particular technique. He would, he'll cut a wedge into the vine. He damages the vine so that the stick can be reconnected. I'm not a gardener, but you know what this technique is called, by the way? Bleeding. It's called bleeding. The gardener then joins together the stick and the vine in the place where the vine has been cut, where it's bleeding. The vine bleeds, thereby making a way for a stick to become a branch. Over time, days and months, the nutrients from the vine eventually move into the branch, causing it to bear fruit again. In case you're not following what I'm trying to say with this metaphor, or Jesus is saying, Jesus bled so that the sticks could become branches. And branches could bear much more fruit. As the true vine, Jesus makes a way for sticks that have fallen off that seem to have no purpose, no hope. It's a way for, us to be, for them to become branches once again. Jesus' death on the cross is the one thing, the only thing, that makes a connection possible. So it all comes back to connecting. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. John 16, at the end of, this, of Jesus' farewell discourse, he, he, he gives a pretty strong warning uh, at, in verse 33 of John 16. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. Yay! But that's not the end of the verse or the story. He follows that warning up with a promise to keep us connected to him, to give us hope. He says, but be of good cheer. Or some translations would say, take heart. I have overcome the world. No matter what happens to us, even when things never seem to work out the way we think, we simply be the branch and stay connected with the vine. We simply abide in Christ. I hope that's what we're doing. Again, we're all works in progress. Um, but don't, don't fall for the fake vines. They'll leave, you, they'll leave you hungry and thirsty. They don't satisfy. Christ for sure does. Go after that. Spend your time pursuing that. Do the things to allow God through his Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit inside of us, to change us, to overcome my, my sinful, my lusty, my selfish things we all have. And to hopefully transform us into a new creation that says, I don't, I don't think that way. And I don't, that's not my first response anymore. I'm not that same person. Uh, 
and we learn, oh, hopefully we're growing in Christ and we're learning, we're becoming more like Christ in how we relate to God and then also how we relate to other people. When was the last time you forgave somebody? We should be a forgiving people. When was the last time I confessed sin to, Jesus, to, to God and asked for his forgiveness? When was the last time I talked to my kids about spiritual things or my wife or my husband? These are the things that are going to matter. All the other things, you know, we live life, I get it, we do work. But ultimately what lasts is eternal things and it's connection and it's connection to God through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, I thank you, God, that you made a way to have connection with us through Jesus. And I pray that uh, if anyone is in here doesn't know you, that they would uh, come talk to me or, or anyone in here and just say, how can I be, what, what is, how can I make Jesus my Lord and Savior? And we'd be happy to walk through uh, the easy way to do that. But then the rest of us that are in here that uh, are Christians, are saved, I pray that we would through this series and even tonight, Examine our own lives and give some time for uh, some deep thinking. Where are we relationally with our God, with our Heavenly Father? Where are we? Are we connected? Are we showing the spiritual fruit that would be evidence to someone that's walking hand in hand with, with, their, with their king, with their father? Or are we distant? Are we, are we nowhere to be found? Are we not exhibiting any, any spiritual fruit that shows that we're connected? If we allow the sin of this world and the things of this world to, to uh, contaminate our walk with you, uh, may we turn from that and may we confess it to you and may we do the things uh, that will help us to grow spiritually that will last, that can bear much fruit, not for our own glory, but for your own, for your glory, uh, that we could be used to help other people come to know how to have a relationship with you or that we could be used to lead a Bible study to walk other people through how to better understand God's words or we could mentor uh, other men or other women, that we could, we could use the knowledge we have uh, to help uh, you know, increase, increase your kingdom here on earth. I pray that we would be people that are connected to you and we'll give you the glory for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.